again, it's kind of a, another weird week with uh, the weather and everything, and we are certainly looking forward to being in our building uh, very soon. Uh, here in just a few weeks, um, and we will not have as many problems like this um, in the future, where we'll be able to still meet um, during uh, inclement weather and things like that. So we're looking forward to um, what the Lord is going to do in the future. But uh, for this evening, we're going to do our best to uh, to make do. Um, I feel sorry for you guys a little bit because usually uh, if I'm preaching on a live stream, I don't I don't do a very good job keeping track of time and I've been known to go uh, fairly lengthy. And uh, to be honest with you, this topic is one uh, that we could really spend a lot of time on um, in, in multiple avenues. And so we're actually going to split it up over two weeks. Um, we're going to talk about uh, one kind of side of this uh, topic of giving uh, this week, and then we'll talk another about another side of it next week, and um, and the the side that we're going to look at this evening um, is, in my opinion, kind of the negative side uh, of giving, or at least the the negative side uh, of a lot of teaching uh, on giving, and uh, and and so I I, I want to uh, encourage you that if you if you maybe feel like uh, the message this evening is a little bit, um, a little bit of a, of a, of a downside. There's going to be a lot of, a lot of hope and a lot of, uh, takeaways, especially next week. So, um, I'm going to try to do my best to tackle this topic, um, as biblically as possible. That's always our goal. When we preach, when we teach, uh, we want to be as biblical as we possibly can, um, a lot of times, uh, especially in this subject, there's a lot of assumptions that are made. There's a lot of um, really dogmatic stances uh, about certain things, especially about the topic we're going to take a look at uh, this evening. And, and that's the, the topic of tithing. Um, the, the title of the message uh, this evening is actually going to be um, to tithe or not to tithe. All right. Kind of think of, I think it's... Uh, I don't remember if it was Macbeth or Hamlet, uh, to be or not to be, but to tithe or not to tithe. That is the uh, question of the evening. And um, and you've probably heard some teaching on this in one way or another. Um, I'm sure uh, you've probably heard sermons from other pastors at other churches. Um, a lot of times this topic comes up uh, when you're when you're, you know, you're getting ready to start some new uh, giving uh, centered project. Um, and so it, it can be, uh, it can be one that, that honestly, a, a lot of, uh, pastors, um, can misuse. Um, if we're not careful, if we're not being biblical in how we teach, um, there can be a lot of misuse uh, of this concept of the tithe and, and application of the tithe. And I, and I think for me, that's the big thing that I want to focus on this evening is understanding, um, how do we apply the tithe or do we apply the tithe uh, from Scripture to our lives today as New Testament believers? And um, and I think that we can come to a conclusion on that uh, based on what Scripture says. But as we do that, what I'd like to do is take this topic of tithing. And, and I want to kind of walk us through six questions that we should ask uh, when we come across something in Scripture and look to apply it to our lives or maybe to somebody else's life. And so uh, we always want to be very careful with the word of God and how we uh, apply it 
um, or how we seek to apply it. And so um, we're going to look at six questions that we can ask to help us um, hopefully come to a biblical and a complete biblical uh, application of of a command that we might find in Scripture or maybe just an example uh, of something that we might find in Scripture. Obviously, we know that um, all Scripture is given to us uh, by the inspiration of God, and it's profitable us for profitable to us for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, so that uh, the man of God can be perfect or complete, uh, thoroughly furnished for all good works. And I know that was the old uh, KJV version, but uh, uh, so we're, we're gonna we're gonna look at the Word of God and see how the teaching on the tithe from the Word of God is beneficial to us. Now, there's a lot of uh, opinions when it comes to uh, the tithe. There's a lot of different stances. They're, they range anywhere from um, God has commanded uh, us as Christians to give a tithe uh, to our local church uh, to kind of a middle ground area where uh, some Christians would say that the tithe is not required for Christians, uh, but it's uh, a good starting point. Uh, it's a good kind of place to begin your your giving um, and then there's some people that say that we shouldn't even worry about the tithe at all. It doesn't matter at all. We're just, uh, supposed to give, um, in, in other ways. And so we're going to take a look at scripture today. And, and my focus is actually going to be on the kind of the, the harshest version of that, because that's the, uh, that's the version that I've really seen, um, abused more than, uh, than any other, you know, from a teaching standpoint. And so, um, I want to take a look at that and, and understand what is a tithe. Um, how do we view the tithe? And, um, <laughs> sorry, the dog just walked over, um, and <laughs> the blessings of, of teaching from home, uh, and how we, uh, how we approach that when it comes to application. So hopefully this will be, uh, instructional for you. Um, and hopefully you can take away some of these questions to help you as you're reading other passages in, in scripture to apply things as biblically as possible to your life and to others as well. So first of all, let's, let's just, uh, get a good definition of what a tithe is. Obviously, uh, the word tithe, you've probably heard this before, simply means a 10th. Um, it's the Hebrew word is ma'aser and it means one tenth or uh, ten of. And so we get this idea of a tenth. And, and when we're talking about a tithe, especially in this, um, in this kind of uh, more commandment driven concept, um, I like to give it this definition. Uh, a tithe is a command in scripture for us to give 10% of our income to God via the local church. So this is the way that uh, most people, people who are going to be teaching that the tithe is a requirement, they're going to, um, this is how they're going to interpret that tithe. It's a commandment in scripture for us to give uh, 10% of our income to God via the local church. And of course, they would say that um, offerings are above and beyond that, uh, etc. So that's kind of the, the definition or the concept that we're going to go with uh, when we look at what the tithe, uh, what's being taught about the tithe. Okay, so let's start off with question number one. I'm going to have a lot of different slides here, uh, so you don't have to necessarily look at me the whole time. So I'll be jumping back and forth a little bit and a lot of scripture, as always, because we want everything to come from scripture. So the first question that we want to ask when we're applying scripture and we'll ask about uh, the tithe now is what does scripture actually say about the command or the example? 
right? So what, what does scripture actually say? Because a lot of times uh, people will even misquote things when they're applying uh, uh, ideas or, or commands from scripture, they'll misquote it. Uh, so we want to see what does scripture actually say? Um, and this is, of course, we're talking about the command end of things. This is this is a command that that uh, some believe is applicable to us today as believers. So we want to see where the command comes from. Obviously, uh, the, the Bible talks about the tithe uh, in lots of different places, most of it in the Old Testament. Um, but most of it is really talking about people giving the tithes. It's not the actual commandment. Um, and so we want to take a look at where we get this idea of a commandment from uh, when it comes to tithing. So we're going to take a look at scripture here. We're going to go back to the Old Testament in the book of Leviticus, and we're going to read chapter 27, starting in verse 30. It says, every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. If a man wishes to redeem some of his tithe, he shall add a fifth to it. And every tithe of herds and flocks, every tenth animal of all that pass under the herdsman's staff shall be holy to the Lord. One shall not differentiate between good or bad, neither shall he make a substitute for it. And if he does substitute for it, then both it and the substitute shall be holy. It shall not be redeemed. Okay, so we have here kind of the first instance of a command for a tithe. And this is in um, the law of Moses. This is in the book of Leviticus. It's one of the first five books of the Bible, um, specifically what we refer to as uh, the law of Moses is where this is found. And we'll get to that a little bit further on. But here we have a passage talking about tithes or a tenth of everything that comes in is to be given to the Lord. And this is this is uh, known as the uh, the Levitical or the sacred tithe. Um, that's typically how we, how we refer to it. And, um, and the reason for that is because this is done to the Lord and, and it's a, it's a sacred, it's a holy tithe. If you noticed in there multiple times, he said that this shall be holy. It's set apart. It, it is a tithe that is given to the Lord that is given, uh, to him as a holy tithe, right? So this is something that is sacred and that is sacred and that is, uh, separate, that is set apart, that is holy to the Lord. So this would be kind of the first instance of an of understanding the tithe, and we see that the tithe obviously we know is ten percent. So we're saying the the tenth that it was talking about the uh, the animals passing under the shepherd's uh, rod every tenth one. Uh, so we have the concept here of a tenth, and you notice it was coming from everywhere. It was coming from the seeds. It was coming from uh, the trees. It was coming from their livestock. Basically, every increase that they had. Um, they were to tithe a tenth. They were to give a tenth back to the Lord um, as this tithe. And this, so this is where we come uh, up with the commandment of the tithe um, for the first time. Now, what's interesting is, <clears throat> you, you notice I said that there was a something called a Levitical or a, sa a sacred tithe. Uh, that's because there are actually multiple tithes mentioned in the law of Moses. Um, we're going to take a look at uh, another one, you know, now their scholars kind of differ a little bit here and there on whether or not it's uh, how many there actually are. But we'll take a look at kind of uh, generally the three tithes that people tend to uh, agree on. So the next one we'll take a look at here is found in Deuteronomy chapter 14. 
It says this, You shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year, and before the Lord your God, in the place that he will choose to make his name dwell there, you shall eat the tithe of your grain, of your wine, and of your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and flock, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. And if the way is too long for you, so that you are not able to carry the tithe when the Lord your God blesses you, because the place is too far from you, which the Lord your God chooses, to set his name there, then you shall turn it into money, and bind up the money in your hand, and go to the place that the Lord your God chooses, and spend the money for whatever you desire, oxen or sheep or wine or strong drink, whatever your appetite craves, and you shall eat there before the Lord your God and rejoice, and you, you and your household, and you shall not neglect the Levite who is within your towns, for he has no portion or inheritance with you. All right, so here we have another kind of different um, type of tithe. So another tenth that is being uh, talked about here. And, and this one is typically known as the festival tithe. Uh, so this is the festival tithe. So as you notice there, the tithe that they were taking was to be consumed. Um, so they were, there were certain uh, festivals and rituals, things that they were supposed to go to. Notice there was travel involved. Um, and so they would go to these places and they would either bring the tithe with them to be consumed in, in, in these, during these celebrations or they would sell it and they would take the money and they would uh, purchase what they needed for the celebration uh, there at those different feasts. So uh, this is a different tithe than the one that was set apart to be holy to the Lord. Uh, it seems to be something that was set apart for these times of, of celebration and gathering. Well, in the same passage, if, if we continue reading on, there's actually going to be another tithe it looks like or maybe just an alteration of this one uh it's a little hard to tell but this is a another tithe that we see uh in the in the book of deuteronomy here so we see this uh in verse 28 it says at the end of every three years so there's a little bit of difference there at the end of every three years you shall bring out all the tithe of your produce in the same year and lay it up within your towns and the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, and the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow who are within your towns shall come and eat and be filled, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hand, that your hands, and all of, sorry, in all the work of your hands that you do. Sorry, I'm paying attention to several different things here. So we have another tithe potentially, or maybe a, a switching of the tithe. And this is what's commonly known as the poor tithe. So as we see here, this poor tithe was given uh, and was stored up actually so that uh, different people who didn't have income, weren't able to take care of themselves, could come and partake and, and have food to, take, to be taken care of. So we really see um, three different ties potentially here in uh, the book of Genesis, here in the law, here as commands. Um, and so this is an interesting thing to notice. You know, if we're going to take a look at scripture and and come away with this command, again, we'll go back to our definition. Most, most people think that we should give 10% to the church, to God through the church. Um, you know, and that really doesn't even quite line up with what uh, the actual command is uh, in the the Old Testament in the law of Moses. Um, so that's something that's interesting. If you if we were to really follow 
those those rules, the the way that that is uh, designed, we'd be giving probably twenty maybe even 30%, you know, every third year. So um, it'd be a lot more than, than the 10% actually that, uh, that we look at from, uh, from that perspective, that what's often put out there as uh, what we should be doing as a tithe as believers. So I think that's something that's interesting to note. Um, again, what's, we ask the question, what does the scripture actually say? Um, so we want to make sure that we're applying things biblically based on what scripture actually says. All right, so let's go to our next question. Oop. <laughs> there we go. Question number two. Uh, who is the command being given to, or what is the historical context of the example? So we want to make sure that we understand who is, who's being spoken to. We, we've talked about this in other um, books of the Bible, uh, letters especially in, in, uh, in the New Testament. We want to make sure that we understand who, who it's being written to, and and if it's a especially if it's a command and then also just understand the historical context of what's going on. We want to understand, you know, maybe understanding what's going on historically that might give us some information about um, why certain things would have been happening the way that they that they were. And so uh, we, all, we always want to ask this question to get a better understanding of what's going on. Now, for this passage, it's or for this topic, really, uh, in these passages, it's it's pretty straightforward. Uh, we know that um, these are in the book of the law, the law of Moses, which was being given to uh, the people of Israel. Um, so this was specifically commands for God's chosen people. They were commands and how they were to uh, live and how they how they were to worship uh, God. And so there was a lots of different uh, things in the law and anything from sacrifices to um, to, uh, you know, how they interacted with each other to these uh, ways that they gave in, in tithes and then off, also offerings and other things. So there's lots of different things going on, but it's all part of this law of God. It's all part of um, these commands that are being made to the children of Israel. Um, and it says this is give, being given to them before they go into the promised land. So they're getting ready to go into, especially Deuteronomy, they're getting ready to go into uh, this land that God has promised them, this land that is uh, flowing with milk and honey, this this awesomely blessed land that God has given to them and uh, where they are going to have a lot of things. They're going to be uh, getting a lot of of increase from the land because God has given them a very blessed and 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 productive land. And so they're going into this land of blessings. God's telling them, this is how I want you to handle uh, what I have given you. I think it's very important that, that we remember that Andy told us earlier, everything is God's. Everything that's good comes from God. Everything that we have uh, comes from God. And and so it's a, it's a reminder even to the nation of Israel, that's land that I'm giving you. There's a responsibility that goes along with that. Um, in these tithes. So we need to understand the uh, who, who it's being talked to, the command is being given to, and what the historical context is so that we have a greater understanding and know how or if we should apply certain things um, to ourselves as believers. And again, um, with this one, I, I think the the strong argument is that this is information that's being given to Israel specifically, and um, really doesn't apply to the believer. Uh, there's, there are lots of promises as believers that we are a part of, 
uh, but there are things that we're not a part of um, as believers, as being grafted in to Abraham's uh, line, that we're, we're not part of all of them. And that would be things that pertain to uh, the promised land and things like that. They're just not part of the promises made uh, that apply to believers. So, uh, so I think, again, after we ask this question, my tendency would be to lean that these things probably don't apply to us as followers of Christ. Uh, let's take a look at question number three. So question number three is, what is the textual context of the command or the example? So as we're looking at in the Bible, we're seeing these things from the Bible. We understand uh, who it's written to in the historical context. <clears throat> Excuse me. But what is what else is taking place in the scriptures around this that might give us a better understanding of of why why this is being said? What what is actually being said? What is meant by what's going on? Um, is there is there any other context that we can give to this from scripture? And, um, and I think with this one, we're not going to spend a bunch of time looking at the rest of the law, but again, we kind of talked about it already. This is part of the law of God, the law of Moses, which was given, uh, to Moses by God for the nation of Israel. So there's a lot of different things going on in, in the, the surrounding passages dealing with sacrifices, how we how the, the Israelites related to God. Um, and how they dealt with sin. But one of the interesting things to me is there were other types of giving even mentioned um, in, the, in the surrounding passages and in, in the law itself. I would, I would tend to put this as part of the law in the whole context of the law together. And so there, there are even other uh, requirements, giving requirements. Um, uh, we have uh, offerings which, you know, a lot of times we have this idea, we've been given this idea that we have tithes and then offerings or anything above that. Um, offerings actually worked a little bit differently than that. Um, there's uh, things, you know, Jesus talked about alms. Uh, so there's different types, and that would be, you know, giving things to the poor. There's different types of giving um, in the law of Moses that are not just the tithe. And so, I, again, when you look at the context of everything that's going on here in Scripture, you, you have to ask the question, is it right for us to single out this one part of, of the law to apply to us as believers today? So, you know, with all the different types of giving that we see in the context of the law, we tend to just pull out this one 10% um, and, and, and call it a tithe and, and kind of transfer that from the um, from the, the Old Testament to the New Testament. Um, and I don't know that that's really necessarily uh, biblical. <laughs> I don't think that's the right way to approach this. We have to understand the context of what's, uh, of what's going on and understand there's more going on uh, in these contexts than just this teaching or command uh, of a 10% tithe. All right, so let's move on to question number four. Uh, question number four is... What is the stated purpose or the command of uh, for the command or example if given? Let me say that again. What is the stated purpose for the command or example if it's given? Now, this is really, really critical um, <clears throat> because one of the biggest reasons I think people tend to apply things incorrectly uh, in Scripture is because they make assumptions 
about why that um, command or why that example is given to us. And we need to be very, very careful about making those assumptions. Um, anytime we come to scripture, we want to understand what scripture says and why scripture says it. If scripture tells us, uh, there are certain things that in scripture that, um, it says, and so we believe it, but we don't really understand why. Um, and, and so we need to be very careful about assuming the whys of different passages. Um, and, and so we want to make sure that when we read a passage, we want to look for, especially in the context, we want to look for the reason why that command or the reason why that example is being given so that we can better understand what God intends by it. And so if God intends for that to be something for us to learn from or something for us to apply to ourselves, then we want to make sure uh, that we do that. So um, the question is, is, is the tithe a general teaching or is there a specific purpose for it? Um, and I think that if we look at the, the scriptures, we're going to see that there definitely is a specific purpose for each of these different tithes. So I want to take a look at the first tithe here. We're going to take a look at Numbers chapter 18, verses 21 through 24. So Numbers 18, 21 through 24 says this, To the Levites I have given every tithe in Israel for an inheritance, in return for their service that they do their service in the tent of meeting so that the people of Israel do not come near the tent of meeting lest they bear sin and die, excuse me, and die. But the Levites shall do the service of the tent of meetings and they shall bear their iniquity. It shall be a perpetual statute throughout your generations and among the people of Israel shall have no inheritance for the tithe of the people of Israel, which they present as a contribution to the Lord I have given to the Levites for an inheritance. Therefore, I have said of them that they shall have no inheritance among the people of Israel. I think it's really important that we look back at, at this last verse here. It says, for, they present, for the tithe of the people of Israel, which they present as a contribution to the Lord, I have given to the Levites. All right, so what's going on here? Um God is, is speaking about the Levites and all the tribes of Israel were given parts of the promised land. And it was divided up between all the different tribes. They all have had their different uh, spots, their different pieces of land, um, except for the tribe of, tribe of Levi. And so God set apart the Levites to manage the house of God, basically, to manage uh, the tabernacle and everything that went that was involved in the worship of God. And so because they didn't, they weren't given a part of the land, they didn't have, you know, fields and, and trees, they didn't have uh, cattle and, and flocks to be able to sustain them. So God took the Levitical tithe or the sacred tithe that was given to the Lord. He used that to take care of the Levites. So when people would bring the tithe to the Lord, the, that tenth, that holy tithe, that sacred tithe, that that uh, Levitical tithe, it was Levitical because it was meant to sustain the Levites. And so God used this tithe to sustain uh, those who were doing the ministry, doing the work uh, of of the worship and taking care of all the different things that were going on. So we have 
right here in scripture, in the law, we have a clear statement as to the purpose of the tithe. Um, now, people who are going to be really firm on the command of the tithe for the church, they're going to take a, a very similar stance. Um, they're going to say that the, the tithes are brought in to take care of the needs of the church. Um, so that's, that's, you know, that matches, right? So we have the purpose there. Um, but we also talked about the other two tithes, right? So we have the festival tithe and even there, as we were reading through, God was giving the purpose of the tithe. In fact, um, it was, it was for them to be able to enjoy. It was for them to be able to consume during its celebration. Uh, but even in that, even in that passage, it said this phrase that you may learn to fear the Lord, your God always. So even in that celebration and that joy, they were remembering the things that God had done for them. And, and that tithe that they was being consumed was to help them remember to fear the Lord because of the great things that he had done. So there was a purpose in that tithe as well. And then, of course, in the third tithe, the purpose is pretty obvious. It's the poor tithe, right? It's it's there. It mentions the Levite again. Actually, uh, uh, the festival tithe, tithe mentioned Levites as well. Um, but we have the poor tithe for the Levites, for the widows, for the orphans, for the, uh, the sojourners, which would be people who were passing through. Um, so there was a purpose in the tithe. So we don't have this nebulous tithe concept. There's a, there's a purpose for it. And we understand uh, the purpose for that tithe. <clears throat> so now that we understand the purpose of the tithe, um, again, like I said, some people will take that and they'll transfer it over to uh, the New Testament church. Um, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's really accurate um, when you look at everything that's going on there, it's all revolving around God's people, the children of Israel. It's all revolving around how uh, they are to take care of uh, themselves, how they are to worship God. Um, and it's all really based off of how they are increased from the land. So if we're going to take things as, as, as absolute as possible, then... I don't think that this can be applied. Now, if you're going to apply it to the church, then you have to you have to look at these things not just as literal for the Israelites, but you have to look at them as uh, as models or examples to us. And that's that's basically what you have to do if you're going to make that transfer, because you're going to transfer from uh, lots of different types of giving to a just a single 10 percent tithe uh, with maybe some offerings but the, the requirement of the tithe and that instead of going to the Levites or instead of going to the festivals or instead of going to the poor, that goes to the local church. Um, and, and so I think you have to really um, take this command and then turn it in, from a command into a um, an example in order for it to fit how we do things, which is much differently from the way that the Israelites did things, the way that God commanded the Israelites to do things. Um, so I think we have to be very careful in how we uh, view a command and, and try to transfer that command into something that looks really quite different from the the design and the purpose that was given in the original uh, context. All right, so we want to make sure that we um, we understand the purpose of why it was given. Um, and, and sometimes we won't find that purpose. And um, 
you know, in those times we, we, uh, we have to do the best that we can, but we always want to make sure that we're doing our best not to assume a purpose that scripture doesn't give us because the reality is we don't know the mind of God. Um, he is, our thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are past finding out. So we need to be very careful about assuming that we understand why God commands something or why God, um, gives us an example of something if he doesn't give us that explanation in scripture. So we definitely want to look for that to help us understand whether or not we should and how we should apply things from that we see in scripture. So let's look at, um, question number five. So question number five is this, is there any scripture that cancels out the command or speaks against the example? All right. So is there any scripture that cancels the command or speaks against the example? So the idea here is we see this command of the tithe um, and actually multiple tithes, but we see this command of the tithe. And is there any scripture that would say, hey, you know what? That doesn't apply anymore or, um, you know, you don't need to do that anymore because of this reason or that reason. Um, or if it's just an example that we're looking at, is there anything, any other scripture that says, Hey, that example is actually a sinful act. <laughs> it's not something that we should be doing. Uh, right. So we want to make sure that as we're looking at these commands, as we're looking at these scriptures, as we're at these examples, as we're evaluating them, we're bringing in the totality of scripture and making sure that we're understanding this command or this example in light of the rest of scripture. And this is really, really important because it speaks to the fact that we need to know the word of God. We need to be in the word of God. We need to study the word of God. We need to understand the word of God. We need to really be able to look up this, this information or, or get help with it so that we are not easily led astray by our own thoughts, by our own desires. We need to understand what God's word says about these topics. And if we don't know, we need to learn how to search it so that we can find what God says about these topics. So what does the rest of scripture say about tithing? Uh, in this instance, we'll go with tithing as a command specifically for the church. Um, in the New Testament, there's only a few references to tithing at all. Uh, two of them are in the Gospels, in one in Matthew, one in Luke, um, that are talking about the same thing. Jesus is speaking uh, to the Pharisees. If we have time later on, we might look at that. Um, but then the other mention is in the book of Hebrews, where uh, the, the author is making a comparison between Christ and the Levitical priesthood. Excuse me. Um, those two passages are often used to uh, push this concept of of the command um, for the church. I would disagree with that usage. And if we get time here at the end, I'll, I'll explain to you why. Um, but I can tell you this with certainty. There's nowhere in the uh, New Testament uh, that says that the tithe specifically says tithing is not required for Christians. All right. You're not going to find a verse that says that. Um, you're also not going to find a verse that says Tithing is required for Christians. <laughs> All right. So we don't really have a verse either way that explicitly says um, Christians should be tithing, should be following, especially the specific uh, concept of a 10 percent tithe um, to God through the local church. Uh, obviously, we have many passages on giving next week. We're going to take a look at uh, a lot of them as we look at what does scripture actually say 
uh, about how we as believers are to are to give. Um, but there's nothing in there about uh, whether or not we should follow this procedure, this concept of a tithe. So the question then is, is there any scripture that helps us understand uh, whether or not this is applicable to us based on other information? Um, and I believe that there is. And the information that, that I think we need to look at is, again, the context of the tithe command. The context of the tithe command is not to believers. It is to uh, the Israelites. It's to the Jewish people. It's to uh, the Old Testament nation of Israel. And so it is part of the law of Moses. It's part of the law that God gave to Moses. Um, and there's a reason why I keep using that term law of Moses one, because it's, it's called the law of Moses. Uh, but two, because I think we need to understand that as we look at some of these passages in, uh, in the new Testament. So the first thing I want to look at is the fact that the new Testament is very clear that as believers, we are no longer under the law. We are no longer bound by the law, but we are under grace. All right, so we're no longer bound by the law, but we're under grace. We're going to look at just a couple of uh, verses for that. Uh, Romans 6, 14 through 15 says, For sin will have no dominion over you, since you, you are not under the law, but under grace. So not under the law, but under grace. What then? Are we to sin? Because we're not under the law, but under grace? By no means. I think this is really important, um, because if we're not careful... Uh, sorry, we lost our video here. <laughs> If we're not careful, um, we can um, we can fall into the trap that, that it's saying here. We can fall into this uh, concept of uh, we're under the grace. We don't have to worry about the law. We can live however we want. That's not what he's saying. There's still uh, a moral law, a spiritual law that the Spirit uh, gives to us. So we're no longer under the written law, but we're under grace, but we're we're under the Holy Spirit. Um, Romans chapter seven, just a little bit later on in Romans, we see, we see, uh, these, these verses for while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that, which it held us captive so that we serve the new way of the spirit and not the old way of the written code. For since the law has has but a shadow of the good things to come. Oh, sorry, that's the wrong thing. That's no, that's another one. Uh, so, so we are um, to serve the new way of the spirit and not the old way of the written code, right? So we see this difference. We see there's the the written code that we're no longer uh, held under, but we also see that we are to be obedient to the spirit. We serve in the new way of the spirit. Okay. Uh, the next passage I want to look at is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. And again, Hebrews is, is talking about um, this comparison between Christ and all these other, other things, these comparison between the priests and, and, and Abraham and Moses and angels and, and all these different comparisons. Um, but I think this is interesting. It says in, in verse 1, For since the law has but a shadow of, of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities. It can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. And I really want to focus on this concept at the beginning for the, the since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, it can never do what we hope that it would do. 
right? So the, the law, even given back in the time of, of Moses, the law of Moses really was um, insufficient for them to be able to obey. Uh, they, they, they never could hold the law. They could never uh, do it completely. That's why Jesus said that he came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, to complete it, to, to finish it so that, um, so that it would be complete, so that we would have a righteous sacrifice uh, for us, for our sin. And the law is a shadow. It's, you know, it's not something that, that is the total good. So I think, again, you, you look at the law and you say, well, we want to follow those practices. If the law is a shadow, why would we want to follow um, those old practices if there's something better uh, in Christ? But I think to me, um, you know, we, we can go down this, this path of freedom um, and I think that that's a valid path. That's where you see most people argue against this concept. Um, but for me, I find that, um, the book of Acts chapter 15 is in my opinion, the most direct answer to this question. If you're, uh, familiar with, with that chapter, it's, it's, uh, the chapter where Paul and Barnabas have been preaching and teaching it, but people are coming down and they're, and they're trying to tell the Gentiles that they need to be circumcised, that they need to follow the law of Moses. And so they go up to the Jerusalem council uh, to kind of get a, a decision on this. And so we'll take a look at Acts chapter 15, uh, verse 5 here. It says, But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, It is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. Now, I wanted to point this out very specifically. Notice it wasn't just about circumcision, right? Yes, circumcision was that outward uh, sign um, that they were following the law, but it wasn't just about circumcision. They wanted them to order them to keep the law of Moses, the whole thing. They wanted them to follow all the, the rituals and all the requirements of the law of Moses. So they have this big uh, debate and they have, you know, Peter gets up and talks and Paul and Barnabas get up and talk. Um, and then we have uh, the statement, I think this one is from Peter in verses 8 through 10. It says, And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them, talking about the Gentiles, by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, this is interesting, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear. I think that's really interesting that, that Peter points out that, that we're almost testing God by adding to uh, the work of the disciples something that we, neither our forefathers nor us could do. But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as they will. And of course, this was a salvation issue specifically. Uh, but the, the question remains is, is it right for them to enforce the law of Moses on these specifically Gentile believers? And so we have the discussion and the conclusion is actually sent out to the churches uh, of the Gentiles. It's actually sent out to the churches. And this is basically what it said. It says, for it has seemed good, right before this, it's talking about, we're sending these people to give you witness of what's been said and what's been decided. Uh, and it says, for it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. I think that's really key. 
This is not just a decision that a bunch of men made. This was a decision that they believed was from God. All right. So it has, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements. Now watch the requirements that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from that which and, and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. So we see the church, the early church, understanding that the law of Moses was not something to be followed and, and that that was God's will, that that would not be put on uh, believers today. So in my opinion, I think there's plenty of scripture based on uh, the fact that we're no longer under the law, but even in my opinion, more specifically this, that those old concepts, those old uh, commandments of the law are not binding on us. Now, are there some things in the law that um, are binding on us today? Absolutely, because they're moral things, right? There's things like um, not murdering, uh, you know, a lot of the Ten Commandments, right? You know, not coveting. Uh, and many times, even Jesus himself made a point to make those even uh, harder for us to obey without the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Um, and so yet there are some things that, that the New Testament does confirm, um, but tithing is not one of them. Uh, there is no confirmation in the New Testament to, especially to Gentiles, you know, after this statement, um, that would tell us that we need to follow this Old Testament specific requirement of a tenth uh, percent. Okay, so we have clear instruction, clear um, scriptures that say this is this is uh, not something that we should we should require. All right, so what is the uh, last question? So the last question we want to ask is if the commandment or the example does not directly apply to us, which is what I believe is true in this instance, um, are there any principles or lessons we can take away from, uh, from that command or from that, that example that are supported by other scriptures? So is there anything else that we can take away from this, even if it doesn't apply, right? I think that's very important because especially when we when we come to the conclusion that something does not apply to us, it would be very easy for us to just set it aside and not worry about it. Right. You know, one of the ways that people view the tithe uh, is that it's not something that we should worry about. We should ignore it. It's it's in the past. It's it's old. You know, it's under the old covenant. It's not under the new covenant. So we shouldn't worry about it. Um, and, and I think that's not a great way to look at it either because again all scripture is given by inspiration of god is profitable and so we want to ask what can we learn from these commands or from these examples in scripture that will help us um, relate to god and relate to others the way that we should so there are actually uh, three things that i see in the old testament tithe um, and giving system as a whole that i believe are um are helpful for us today. And I think that, that other scriptures support them as well. And we're going to take a look at them very quickly here. The first one is that God designed giving to be an act of worship. <clears throat> God designed giving to be an act of worship. We've already looked at the passages in the Old Testament that showed uh, that the tithes were, were used to 
to give to God because he was holy. Um, and so there, that was an act of worship, right? Even the celebrations were an act of worship. And so we, we see that the tithe itself was an act of worship uh, to God. Um, and we're going to actually look at this uh, more next week as we look at uh, the New Testament uh, concepts of giving. So I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time here. But uh, I do want to give you just a few other verses, uh, starting in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your, all your produce. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Um, that's, that's part of worship right? Honoring the Lord with what you have is part of worship. And so you're supposed to do this with the first fruits of all your produce, as uh, Proverbs is saying. Philippians chapter 4, verses 14 through, 6, 14 through 18 says, Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble, and you, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. That last part is the key, right? This giving to Paul was actually an offering to God, a fragrant offering to God, and a sacrifice that was acceptable and pleasing to Him. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 8, uh, first few verses here says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. So here we have a group of people who are giving themselves to God and then by his will, following through and giving uh, to this need. So it's an act of worship. Uh, God has designed giving to be an act of worship. Not only is God designed giving to be an act of worship, but God designed giving to be the way his people meet the needs of his people. So God designed giving to be the way his people meet the needs of his people. We've seen this, uh, in the structure of the law, right? It was to take care of the Levites. It was to take care of the poor. Um, so these these ties that were being given had a purpose. It was to take care of the people of God. And uh, and so we see the same thing even in New Testament giving. Um, we, we talked about this last week when we talked about honoring um, elders, honoring spiritual leadership. One of the ways that we honor spiritual leader, leadership is by meeting their needs. Um, and so that was, you know, that kind of, has a little bit of an echo to the, the Levites, right? Um, but we're, we're meeting the needs of those in spiritual leadership. But there's also many, many uh, passages, and we'll just look at a few very quickly. Uh, we've looked at them, many of them before, that uh, talk about meeting the needs of others in the church. Uh, 
a very popular one that we've talked about a lot, Acts 2, 45 through, uh, 44 through uh, 45. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need, right? So we've, people are selling the things that they have to be able to meet the needs of those who had needs in the church. Uh, Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 32, says, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. And there was not a needy person among them. Think about that. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and bought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means a son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So the first couple of instances they were giving to the needs, it seems pretty much directly, probably, from what we can tell. They were just meeting needs that they saw in their giving. And then we see them bringing it to the church and, and allowing the church to disperse that. Obviously, we see later on uh, in Scripture the need for uh, the deacons to be uh, put into place so that they can handle meeting the needs of the church through the, the, um, the proceeds that were brought in, the gifts that were brought in. Um, so we, we see that this is, this is God's people meeting the needs of God's people. Uh, Acts chapter 11, verses 27 through 29. Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone, according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. So we have giving to believers in other areas. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. So here again, we see Paul basically commanding that they should particip participate in this giving to, to other believers who are in need that aren't even part of that specific local body. So God designed giving to be the way that his people take care of the needs of his people. And kind of the third observation that I have, um, and there are probably many more, um, but the third one that we'll go over tonight is that God designed giving to, to bless the giver as well. And we're going to actually talk about this again uh, a little bit more next week. But God designed giving to bless the giver as well. Um, in, in, in the law, obviously giving was uh, part of the law. It was part of what they were required to do. And if they gave properly, then they would be going through the different rituals that were required of them for their sins to be forgiven. Giving was a part of that process, the sacrifices and the offerings and even uh, taking care of the Levites through the tithe was part of that process 
whereby they were made right with God. Um, now, as Hebrews said earlier before, you know, it was temporary, right? If you read Hebrews 10, it's temporary. It had to do it every year uh, because it didn't satisfy, but only Christ satisfies. But God's designed giving to be a blessing to the giver as well. And in, in that context, it was in the forgiveness of sins. Um, also in that context was the joy of the feasts uh, to be able to celebrate. And, and you, you remember it says, buy whatever you want for this celebration, um, you know, because it was a, this was a time to enjoy, to be blessed, uh, to enjoy the fruits that God had provided for them. Um, so but there, and there are some other scriptures and we'll get to some of the New Testament next week, but just a couple uh, here in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10, we looked at 9 already, but it flows into it. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Excuse me. Then we have Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 through 26. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessings will be enriched, and the one who waters with waters will himself be watered. The people curse him who holds back grain, but but a blessing is on the head of him who sells it. So there is blessing that comes along from God, and we'll and again we'll talk about this a little bit more when we give, and when we give, in my opinion, correctly, when we give uh, with the right heart, and that's what we're going to talk about next week. Is what is the heart? of what should be the heart of the New Testament giver. So God uh, has designed giving to bless the giver as well. I think there is one more takeaway that you could say, you know, it, it is interesting that scripture does seem to use this number of a tenth, this number of 10%. We have the example of, of Abraham and the example of Jacob uh, before the law was given that that promised tenths uh, or that gave tenths. Abraham give, gave tenths to, Mel, to Melchizedek. Um, we have the law that's given here and, and that tenth, that tithe, that amount does seem to come up a lot. And I think it's, it's something that we should consider, um, but it's certainly not given to us in a way, I think if you're being faithful with scripture, that you could say that that is a requirement for us as the church here um, at any age, but here in the 21st uh, century, of course, in 2022. So I believe that scripture does not require us to follow this exact uh, command of, of giving a, a 10%, um, you know, of our increase to, to the Lord. Now, um, to tithe or not to tithe, <laughs> uh, I would say that we are not required to do that. If you choose to do that, that is between you and God. We're actually going to look at that uh, next week as well as, you know, how do we choose what to give and how should and how should we give? Um, if if you believe that you should give 10 percent, that's that's awesome uh, and you should follow through on that. Um, but we need to be careful to not um, take what we believe we're supposed to do and apply that to other people when Scripture doesn't do that. Um and we need to we need to make sure that we're doing things because because God is telling us to do it either through the Holy Spirit or through his word. Um, so as a requirement, um, don't tithe. <laughs> but if God has led you to give that much or more, 
uh, great. If God has led you to give less, um, you need to follow what God has, has called you to do. We have been very blessed here at Liberty Hills um, with the size of the congregation that we have. Um, God has richly blessed us with people who give well. And, uh, and I'm actually looking forward to uh, talking about how the New Testament church give or should give um, next week because I believe that, that God has blessed us with a great a community of people who give in a biblical manner, who give the way that the New Testament desires us to do that. But, but we want to look at that. We want to make sure that we continue to do that in the days ahead. Now, again, there are some other things that, that people will point to. I'm not going to take the time this evening uh, to go through those uh, examples, such as Abraham and Jacob, uh, examples of Christ uh, talking to the Pharisees, Hebrews. Um, there, there are several things in Scripture that people point to, but I believe that they're, first of all, not commands, and that the information that we've looked at from Scripture negates uh, any... Uh, examples that we might could get with commands from the early church. Um, so if you're interested in that and you want to learn more, certainly feel free to contact me. I'd be happy to, to walk through it with you and explain uh, what scripture says. And uh, if you want to study it out for yourself, take these six questions that we went through and go through those different passages and say, Hey, do when we look at, when we examine it with these six questions, does that work? You know, what are the six questions? Again, I'll go over them real quickly. The six questions are, first of all, what does the scripture actually say? Uh, number two, what is the uh, historical context? Who is it being written to? Number three, what is the textual context? Everything around it in scripture. Uh, in, their, in our case, it's the law itself. So really all of the law should be the context. Uh, number four, what is the purpose that scripture gives us for uh, for those passages or for the, the things that are being said in those passages or potentially taught in those passage, passages. Number five, is there any scripture that cancels that out or that says, hey, that doesn't apply or you shouldn't do that? Uh, is there any scripture that negates what we think is being taught? And then lastly, if it, it is negated, is there any lessons that we can pull from that anyways, that other scripture supports. So hopefully this has been helpful to you to take a, a biblical look at um, this concept that, quite frankly, a lot of uh, false teachers especially use um, to get people to, to give them money. But even a lot of, uh, I think, well-meaning pastors uh, and preachers can, uh, can misunderstand or misapply um, in light of, of how we are called to give. In the New Testament, and so uh, whether you believe that that was the way that you should uh, that you should go or not, hopefully this um, this has helped you look at it from a biblical standpoint, and hopefully you have the tools to look at other things that you might look to apply to yourself or to others uh, through teaching in a, in a way that is going to be as biblical as possible. Um, let's go ahead and bow in a word of prayer, and I will. Um, just give a couple of, of uh, thoughts before we let you all go.